Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. My guest today is Luciana Podshin, who is diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 1990 and is here today to share her experiences living with an ostomy and raising awareness for IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today, Luciana, and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. Uh, thanks for inviting me. It's so such nice to, to be in your program. Ah, it's wonderful to have you. So before we jump into all the different tips and tricks and things you've learned about Crohn's disease over the years with your journey, why don't you first start by telling us your Crohn's story when you had your first flare and how your diagnosis came about? Wow, it was a big journey. And I was diagnosed in 1990, and I was about to turn 19. But I have been suffering for a year without a concrete diagnosed. And many were the assumptions that the doctors had at that time. But none of them didn't have any answer for what I had. From the time I was diagnosed, I was weighing a bit more than 80 pounds. Wow. Yeah. So I was very weak. I couldn't barely walk. I was with a severe anemia. And I was going to the toilet about 15 times a, a day. So it was indeed a very scary time as the doctor took a long time to be able to diagnose the disease. And you were, you grew up in Brazil, correct? Yes. Sorry about my funny accent. No, <laughs> no apologies necessary to everyone who's not from America. I'm the one with the funny accent. You are so not. You, so tell me a little bit about what it was like once you got your diagnosis what were the treatment options were there any biologics at that time or what did they start you on to begin with so that time almost 30 years ago so no biological were available in the market so basically the treatment was based on steroids and sulfasalazine so i got a quite improvement and about four months later, I got 25 pounds back. Hmm, good. Yeah. So it was no, no biological. And in 1994, I had my first perianal abscess, which took me to a emergent surgery. And that was your first surgery in 1994? Yes. It was. I was very sick in that time as well. And because I'm from Brazil and in that time, the disease was not very common in 1990. So I felt very lonely and like 
feeling like I the only person in the world having a rare disease. Mm-hmm. So I decided to write some universities and some hospitals here in the U.S. But in that time, we didn't have email, so it was everything with letters. <laughs> wow. Yes. So I, I wrote to some universities, and one of them, some of them uh, replied to me, and one of them uh, wrote me about CCFA, Transcalate Foundation oh. America. Mm-hmm. So I got in touch with them. I started writing. Then they sent me lots of information that I was very eager to learn about this rare disease in that time. And then mm-hmm. uh, the fun thing was uh, they had like a pen pal friend in, mm-hmm. in one section of the newsletter. And I started writing to some people here in the U.S. in order to make friendship, to know, to because we have things in common, right? Right. Then I became friend, one of the pen pal friends. We are still friends. And in 1998, I went, to my was my first trip to the U.S. I went to visit her. And in 1999, I was the one of the first patients in Brazil start the biological treatment. I started wow. with Remicade. Yes. I was lucky enough to have the treatment one of the best doctors in Brazil. How were your symptoms during all that time? Had you been struggling with them or had they been under control with some of the previous medications? Was it a struggle throughout those years? Wow. <sighs> My disease was always in the end of column, in sigmoid, rectum, and anus. So I, in that time, first diagnosed, I had diarrhea and blood and in the stool. So many times going to the toilet, very weak, very feeling pain and joint pains. All the symptoms that everybody complains about, mm-hmm. I, I think I had including a problem in the, in the skin, Crohn's complication. And when I started the biological, I had some improvements because in that time I already had a fistula that, which was a, able to close. And like I had a really good time in my life from maybe 1999, from 2004 maybe and yeah mm-hmm. then in 2002 I met my husband and you met and you met him on a trip when you were down in Mexico is that correct or am I getting that mixed up I ended up meeting my husband in my first business trip <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yes quite funny story yes I think you told me that you met him and it was pretty much love at first sight yes. and you two were married shortly first, after yes. <laughs> yes it was love at first sight and three months later i decided to leave everything behind i left my career i left my family and we started living together yes well tell me a little bit more because it's been 17 years now that you've been with your husband and 
you've had, you've actually had more complications throughout your Crohn's. I think in one of your posts, you said you're up to about nine surgeries. So the two of you have been through quite a bit together. Tell me a little bit how he has, how your relationship with him has changed over the years or maybe has not changed and how his support has been for you. Well, I think I ne never left Crohn's to ruin my relationship. So since we met, I told him about my rare disease, about the complications, the possible complications that I might have. Mm -hmm. And he understood. So through all these years, I also lived in England. About two and a half years we lived in in England. I was able to get pregnant naturally because I was I was not having any flare up. I was in a good stage of my life. But because it's been a long time having the disease at the same place, always having the inflammation in that area. I think mm -hmm. after I had my children, I'm a mom of two boys. One now is 13 and the other one is about to turn 12 in July. And after this period, I started having more and more complications with nauseas and uh, fistulas. And mm -hmm. my husband, he has always been with me. He has always been supportive, helping me. And holding my hand, you know, just being my, by my side for, for good times and bad times. That's wonderful. How have the kids dealt with it over the years? Do they understand as they have been growing up? Have they understood what the disease is and have been able to teach them and show them what it is? Yes, because I lost the number of times. I had been the hospital, mm -hmm. so I, I can remember because almost every year I used to go to the hospital for any complication or something wrong that went wrong. So as they start growing and seeing me getting sick and going to the hospital, they they got used to, unfortunately, mm -hmm. and. In 2016, I wonder when to the surgery when that I became an ostomy because as the years went by and I was starting having having more and more complications, the doctors told me that the risk of developing cancer was very high. So I had to choose between living or not living anymore. For my family and then the love for my life, I decided to go to the surgery. Yeah, I think I read that one of your posts, you said that that was actually an eight-hour surgery. Is that correct? Yes. The first surgery, I think, is more than eight hours. Yes. And tell me a little bit, what kind of complications? It sounded like there were quite a few with that one, and the recovery was, was pretty difficult. Tell me a little bit more about that. First of all, I wasn't expected to wake up uh, without an anus. 
but they ended up taking because it was very risky as well to become cancer. So I had retraction of the stoma. First, I had a retraction. So about 10 days, I had to undergo to another surgery. And after the second surgery, I had complications like adhesion, a small intestine. So I had to stay in the ICU for 16 days. I couldn't eat and even drink. I couldn't. So then they decided to do a exploratory laparotomy. Mm-hmm. And I ended up having my third surgery. And in that time, I spent 34 days in the hospital. I, I came back home very weak. I couldn't barely uh, walk. And it was a very difficult process in that time. What did you do to start recovering? Slowly by slowly, I started recover and getting you my weight. My husband has been always being by my side. He had to help me to even change the plunge and the pouch of my stoma because I was very, very weak. And I don't know what happened. I ended up having a parastoma hernia. Did that send you back for another surgery when you developed the, the hernia, the stoma hernia? Yes, so six months later, I left the hospital in October, so in, in April of 2017, I ended up going to another surgery to have my parasoma hernia fixed, and three weeks later, I was rushed to the hospital with a bowel obstruction. It was like a nightmare, so and on the mother's day of 2017, I was undergoing another surgery due to a bowel obstruction, due to adhesions. And so the parastoma hernia was fixed again and another surgery was done. But unfortunately, one month later or one and a half months later, it came back. So I still have the parastoma hernia. And, but I don't want to have it fixed again. So tell me a little bit more through this process, because how did you get through the, the emotional struggle? Because you've gone through quite a dilemma, especially the last couple of years with all these surgeries and from the ostomy and then multiple surgeries and then the hernia that's still around. And in one of your, one of your posts, you had mentioned that, that it was quite an emotional struggle that it wasn't easy to begin with. So how did you change that mindset? Because you have a, a phenomenal, just a wonderful outlook now, and you're spreading awareness, and you're helping other women go through the same thing, men and women. So tell me a little bit how that transition came about, of how you reached this acceptance and being able to start sharing. Well, it was not easy, but I was very weak. I look at the mirror. I couldn't recognize myself. It was not me here. I was very sad. I had moments of just being crying. But mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person who always had the personality to be positive because I never let crumbs 
to present things that I like to do. And my husband said to me, hey, Luciana, you cannot stop being the same person that you have been always. So I'm loving with the person that is positive, that likes to do things, that is brave, that likes to live the life fully. So it sounds like your husband was once again an incredible support. Yes, and then, then I thought, yes, I cannot change myself. I have to be the same person I used to be. So why should I be depressed? Life carries on. So I had my second chance of living. The stomach and the, the bed giving you the second chance to live. And accepting myself was the best thing. Because once you accept yourself the way you are, you start feeling beautiful mm -hmm. again. And at the beginning, my self-esteem was very low, of course. I think everybody who has undergone this type of surgery and having complications, uh, difficulties, the self-esteem goes low. But then mm -hmm. I started thinking and little by little I started having the pleasure of dressing up again, putting some makeup and doing the things that I like. But my husband has been always being supportive. Uh, like I said, I couldn't have met a better person than, than him. And traveling my passion as well. So we came back traveling, doing things that we love to do. What's it been like to travel after your surgeries? Have you found any tips when you're traveling with, with the ostomy, with the stoma supplies? Have you found any tips that have been beneficial for making travel easy? Well, my first travel was six months later the first three surgeries. We had a road trip in Brazil, in the state of Rio. And what I say is just do things in advance, prepare one luggage with your stomach supplies and things like that. Last year, and I ended up having four international trips. And what I do, I always bring with me some baby wipes it helped quite a lot. So I put my my stomach supplies in different bags, just in case one of them is get lost. I always have in my check-in and in my handbag. And don't be afraid to leave. That's why I want to show to other women that they can be sexy, they can be beautiful, they can do whatever they want, even having a bag. The greatest barrier is the acceptance. Once you accept your condition, things get better. And you found quite a few tips and tricks. You mentioned feeling sexy and feeling beautiful and coming, you know, accepting and feeling like yourself again. What are some of the tips you found with your wardrobe that have really helped you to be able to dress up again and feel like who you are? If I can have the personal hernia, I wear a belt in order to hold it to 
with more protection and some highway stands take this guy a lot. In my intimacy, I I wear like a red band, my soma, and everything. It's just a matter of getting used to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you gotten used to? Does it feel like a part of you now? Having now that it's been a couple years since the surgery, do you feel like the the bag and the stoma have really just become, it's just part of you? Yes, unfortunately, yes. I got used to, I do whatever I want. I love doing hiking and living here in California is allowing me to, to do a lot of activities outdoors. So that's really we like a lot. We recently went to Grand Canyon and went down to the canyon. How long did you walk? That's a pretty big hike in the Grand Canyon. Six hour hike. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, six hour hike. Did you need to take any supplies with you or how would you prepare for a trip like that? I have been exercising myself. Maybe I should take some supplies, but I don't take any. Normally, during the weekends, we do some five-mile hike, something like that. Do you think, do you find that the, the hiking and the walking and the exercise, do you think that helps your recovery overall and helps manage, manage your Crohn's disease now? Yes, certainly, yes. Regular exercising, working out helps a lot. Let's switch topics for a little bit, and um, I want to talk about food, because we all know as IBD patients that food is really an individual thing. Have you found over the years, are there any certain diets you like to follow or certain foods you stay away from or foods that are beneficial for you? As the years pass by and you got more used to the disease you have, I think you you know the foods that you can eat and the foods that you can. I think it works different for everybody because some people they cannot drink milk or they are uh, allergic to lactose, right? It's not my case. So what I know that it's not good for me is I don't tolerate spice foods. I like to drink wine, but I can see that it's not good for me because of the bloating sometimes. And basically, some pasta or pizza, I know that's not good, but it depends. I think for everybody, it works different. Yeah, it definitely does. It's, it's interesting, the number of different people I talk to, and there's just that many different ways of eating and different foods that are a problem. So it's, I know it's a struggle. I'll have people who are brand new diagnosed and they'll reach out to me and they'll say, what do I eat? And unfortunately, the answer is you're going to have to figure it out because everyone is so different. It's a, yeah. it's a tough thing to take some time, but eventually we, I think we, like you said, I think we learn which ones we can do and which foods we cannot, so. Yes, I think the good thing would be writing a food map. Mm -hmm. So you can take note of the food that you eat and you can see 
the ones that are not okay for you and the ones that are that are yeah that's a great tip so what have you learned you've had Crohn's I think for almost 30 years if I'm doing the math right <laughs> but yeah what kind of tips and tricks have you learned throughout all that time when you start to go into a flare and you start to feel your symptoms kind of go up or down are there certain things that you've found that work for you to help to help you feel better or to help control some of the the minor symptoms when they start to creep in first of all i never wanted or let from prevent things that i like to do especially traveling and enjoying my life i think that's why i enjoy my life fully because i never know what's going to happen we never know with crohn's chronic <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow so one day you you are feeling pretty amazing and the other day you never know but since i had my surgeries and become ostomate i'm feeling much better mm -hmm. so it was very difficult for me to accept the fact that I was going to be a permanent housemate, but once I became and overcame all the the complications and things that I I mentioned, I'm having a better quality of life because now I have control, mm -hmm. and especially because mine is a loss for me. What I say to everybody who has a, a chronic disease, not only Crohn's but also any other chronic disease. Just live your life fully and try to do as much as you can. And don't waste your time being depressed. Or we, uh, we, we have moments of being depressed, of course, but don't do this. I had my moments, of course, but just live your life. I think that's great advice. How do you manage stress because stress is a major trigger for a lot of us with Crohn's and colitis and you've got between your surgeries and traveling and kids you I'm sure you have no shortage of stress in your life are there certain certain things that you're able to do to help balance that uh, well it's kind of difficult to answer <laughs> because mm -hmm. <laughs> I used to be more stressed than I am today. As the years go by and you get older, you try to see things with a different perspective and things yeah. that used to bother, bother you in the past now doesn't bother you anymore. So, yes, I think uh, I still stress myself sometimes, but mm -hmm. much less than in the past. So, yes, sometimes it's not easy to manage the house, kids and everything, but I feel much more peace and love now than before. That's wonderful. Tell me a little bit more. I want to talk about advocacy a little bit because you've just started sharing your story after having Crohn's for about almost 30 years. You've really just barely started sharing your story within the last few years. So what 
what compelled you to want to start talking about your journey and start becoming an advocate for Crohn's and colitis? Well, because I knew that I was going to become an ostomy and I wanted to be in contact with other people in order to share, in order to get more information because at the same uh, approach that I had in the past, like being in contact with other Crohn's patients, like through CCFA, like uh, mm-hmm. I became friends with uh, Penpal from there. I decided to create an account in, on Instagram to share my journey. Since I got the news that I had to be undergoing a surgery, then in that sense, I started becoming friends with many other ostomates. And also uh, on Facebook group, I started receiving some support from other ostomates. So that's why I started sharing my life and uh, and the writing like journey. So I don't post a lot. Maybe I should post more because <laughs> basically I write things that is happening to my chronic life. Things that uh, like uh, I wrote a post about my experience, about my first international travel. When I first came here after my surgery, so the things about uh, what I prepare in my my bag to in order to to cut the line with the immigration things like that. So that's why I decided to create this account in order to share my life, to share my experience, being an estimate, maybe giving some tips and empowering some other women that are facing the same situation that I I faced in the past. I think that's wonderful. Have you had a lot of people reach out to you since you've been starting it? Have you started to see that effect of people contacting you and and learning and following? Yes. I wrote for Toma Tips. It's a magazine in England Mm -hmm. for Toma um, Ostomy Patients. And I wrote about my journey and I'm writing about now uh, for next, uh, I don't know if it's going to be the next spring or autumn issue, about uh, some tips about traveling. Yes, I am going to be part of the Stoma Wife calendar this year. I'm going to be Miss June. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Last year, I, I submit as well, but uh, my photo wasn't chosen. And this year, mm-hmm. the, the top was about traveling. So I submit a photo of me doing some hiking here in California. It was my husband who took the, the picture. I'm wearing my bag outside my clothes. It's, it's in order to empower other people to show up, to say that, yes, I'm able to do whatever I want, and the bag won't prevent me to do what I like. That's wonderful. So if people are listening and you're sharing your tips and your stories, I know one of the stories you wrote is linked on your Instagram, which is at me and Mr. Crone. Is there anywhere else you want people to follow you, or is the Instagram the place to go? 
Yes, I, I have another Instagram, but I just for fun that I post pictures of uh, the place that I've been going. I have the Facebook one, which is under the same name. And why I decided to write me and Mr. Crow because it's a long journey dealing with Crohn's disease, so I prefer to say Mr. Chrome. <laughs> <laughs> I like <Yes>. it. <laughs> it's like a relationship, unfortunately. So, mm -hmm. yes, I don't let him to conduct my life. I'm the one who is in charge, not him. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. He's part of the journey, but he's not running the journey. <laughs> exactly, yes, yes. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Well, is there anything, we've talked about quite a lot of different topics today. Is there anything we have not talked about yet that you wanted to share with the IBD community? No, I think we have covered pretty much my story. Maybe I should write more. I, I'm definitely in support of that. I know that uh, sometimes, you know, as we do things, we think, ah, oh, maybe no one, you know, is interested. But surprisingly, you know, a lot of people are. and some of the things that might seem routine to you now because you've been doing them for so long is going to be new to someone else. So I think the more we share and the better. And so I definitely encourage you to, to post more and to share, to share more. Yes, especially because from the time that I was diagnosed, it was not very common as we as now. And we didn't have any social media to share. So in that, in that time, I, I felt very lonely. And that's why I tried to be in contact with other people abroad. And speaking a foreign language has helped me quite a lot to be in contact with all over. Helping people all around the globe. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today, Luciana. I really appreciate you sharing your journey and your story and helping to raise awareness for IBD. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having your program. And I hope to hope more in the future. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at Crohn'sFitnessFood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at Crohn'sFitnessFood, or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.cronesfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.